Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Wilander. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. I am Catherine Whitaker. I am joined remotely this week from David Law, who is in sunny Solihull, aren't you, David? Uh, yes, briefly. Uh, then I'm going to be on the train in about 20 minutes' time. So let's crack on with the tennis podcast. Yeah, you've been uh, a very busy man. Uh, as uh, avid listeners to the tennis podcast will know, we were both at Queen's last Tuesday. There's a tennis podcast extra. Uh, we're becoming a bit of a fan of those, of uh, an interview I did with Andy Murray, uh, during which he was very nice uh, and very interesting. So check that out if you haven't already. Uh, and then, David, what did you do? Then you hot-footed it to Madrid, didn't you? Yes, I, I went over to uh, the Tiebreak Tens event uh, over there. And uh, I did sit about ooh, three chairs along from the players' pen. The, 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 these events, they have all the players sitting out there throughout all the matches. So, that you know, you've got... Eight players, eight women, eight men, two tournaments running alongside each other, knockout format, tie breaks for every match. Just to let you know, it was won by Grigor Dimitrov on the men's side and Simona Halep. Incidentally, match of the, the tournament was uh, Dimitrov against Dan Evans in the first round. 14-12 Dimitrov having saved a match point. Anyway, results aside, much more interesting in many ways was the fact that I was sitting two or three seats along from uh, where all the players sit together. And right next to me were Grigor Dimitrov and Maria Sharapova having a, li You've having a little so chat. You've gone so tabloid, David. I can't believe this is the David Law that I've known for 10 years. Well... I mean, you know, what What am I going to do? Just pretend it's not happening? You know, these are two people who, who were publicly together and then publicly not together. And they were having a cosy little chat. Cosy little chat. They knew all the cameras were on them. Well, I think it was all fine. Are you suggesting that if you were Nicole Scherzinger, you might not be too happy with how cosy the chat was you see now you're leaving just try and just try and put yourself in the mind of nicole scherzinger just for a moment david I can't just for do my that. own amusement i can't do her uh, I, I mean any anybody that watched uh tiebreak turns on dave will have known exactly where you were sitting david because you were on the telly for most of hey, the evening that, that was that was well planned out by me <laughs> i sent david a, a text saying i see you you look really tired and david <laughs> David didn't take it particularly well. Well, it's not the greatest compliment I've ever been given, <laughs> to be quite honest. No, it's not. And to be fair, I always do get really annoyed when people tell me I look tired because 
Basically, you're being told you look rough, aren't you? I was only saying it because I knew what time... That's not what you said at the time. (laughs) No, it's not what I said at the time. I only said it because I knew how knackered you were. You backtracked furiously. I knew what... Tell tell everyone how many hours sleep you had on Thursday night. Two hours and 33 minutes. It's just... It's a nap. That is actually a nap. Anyway, you're refreshed now in time for the tennis podcast, I assume. I was fine next the next day. I could have happily done a tennis podcast right there and then. Sleep is for the week. I don't need sleep. I would still be recovering days later. Anyway, sleep is not for the week. I, I mean, I, I don't have the time to even get into that, but I, I cannot tell you how much I hate that saying. Anyway, <laughs> that's the movements of David Law over the past week. I hope you've enjoyed that rundown. I've been very much uh, London-based. Uh, I am doing some commentary this week uh, for the WTA and for the ATP on uh, Madrid. I'm double dipping. Uh, so I'm very much across what's going on there and uh, we will talk plenty about it. But first and foremost, I think we have to talk about the big news in tennis this week, David, which is the uh, announcement by Novak Djokovic on his website that he has culled his entire team, physio, uh, fitness trainer and longtime coach and quote father figure, not Djokovic's quote, but that's how he's referred to sort of widely in the tennis circle or, or was referred to. He is culled the lot of them. And uh, well, he's not quite flying solo because he still seems to have love and peace coach Pepe Imaz with him. He didn't mention Pepe Imaz in his statement on his website, uh, but he has been seen with Pepe Imaz in Madrid. He is in tow. Uh, and yeah, the statement on his website is pretty extensive and interesting. And he himself uses the term shock therapy. Well, actually, it was, I mean, I don't know whether it, it wasn't a quote, was it? I think it was it was written by whoever's written the sort of release. But I mean, it's very much. But it's a, in the voice of Novak Djokovic. It's, an official it, it's written. It's release, written in first it? person. Right. So yeah, it's written in first person. The whole thing. I thought there were there were sort of quotes from all sorts of people within it. The shock therapy thing is is supposedly from Djokovic himself. Okay, well, I mean, it is it regard you know e- even if it wasn't. I mean, if it is, then that's even more uh, uh, meaningful in terms of uh, what he's getting across. But I mean, even if not, the fact is that it is an official release, and that is is an incredibly evocative phrase, isn't it? I mean, for a start, it it has other meanings which i'm sure you'll get onto but i mean that that gives an idea of just how much he's looking to do something about where he is i mean you know it's it's a year ago i I was reading back on some of the things that we were writing and saying a year ago and and we were almost bored with novak Djokovic's domination i mean he was so good that people it wasn't even competitive some of the tournaments that he was playing and after the the French Open, we were talking about how many this guy is going to end up with. And, and people were talking about 20 slams. Now, he might still get 20 slams, but it does show how how quickly and prematurely we, we, ju- we as a, an audience and a media, we jump off into the stratosphere. And, I, and, I'm, and a Goran Ivanovic who said that, sorry, Goran, uh, who definitely doesn't listen, but Goran was, uh, was the most... Uh, um, bandwagony jumpy of the lot of us, wasn't it? I remember at the Australian Open last year, him telling you that he couldn't foresee him not winning any slams in in the sort of near to mid 
future. Do you remember that? Yeah, but but I think that 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 just goes to show, doesn't it? You know, the what is happening at a given time feels like it will go on forever, and of course, things change. Life happens. Life happens. Is that you reworking my uh, trademarked phrase of "things happen," David? Uh, if you like, As if so. I, I'm I'm annoyed. All right, we're falling out already. Uh, well, first of all, uh, what, what's going on? What do you think is going on? I mean, for me, I, I think I think he's been pretty candid, really. There, I think he 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 needs a jolt, and he knows that this is not happening for him. And he is he's been trying. I mean, he's been putting in the work. I think he's he's looked up for it, and but just bereft as to as to why what was happening a year ago isn't happening now and I think he's really confused by it all I think it's probably made him pretty ratty about it all and and inevitably you you look around you and try to work out well what could I change to to change things around for me fortunes wise and it's possible that Novak Djokovic may just have run out of of that little bit of edge that he's had over the last five years or so, and he may never get it back. He may never be able to 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 find those reserves of energy and intensity that he needed in order to stay at the very top. He may have lost that sort of locker room power, as Dave Samuel, the, the tennis coach, calls it, uh, where other players are looking at him and thinking, I don't know how I can beat you. I don't know how anybody could beat you. But if if... Recent years and some of the comebacks that we've seen, Federer, obviously the most recent example, but there are others, uh, people like Stan Wawrinka, who brought on Magnus Norman, became a different player altogether. Andy Murray, who got over the line after employing and then re-employing Ivan Lendl. Maybe Djokovic thinks, you know, I I need one of those. I need something that is just going to get me going again. Yeah, well, I, I think he's said as much. I, I think he's pretty much said precisely that in his statement i mean the the shock therapy reference i find fascinating because that has pretty much exclusively negative connotations i mean most people's mind i think goes to one flew over the cookies nest or or something really similar you know shock therapy is something that is happening when something's gone really wrong i mean it's it's last resort isn't it it's last chance saloon um, and this is a guy that's ranked number two in the world. I know that in the race, he's nowhere near number two. And on recent results, you know, I can see why he wants desperately to change something. But it, it certainly is indicative of the turbulence, I think, that Djokovic is obviously experiencing in his own mind. And look, to go further with the analysis, there have to be a lot of assumptions and suppositions and, and you know, speculation, which I'm quite happy to do. But I would stress that it's based purely on all those three things. It is just speculation because all we know is what he said in the statement. And frankly, you're right, he has been very candid. He's been very good to us and given us quite the insight into his mental state. I, I Look, each to their own. I have my major question marks over this Pepe Imaz bloke. Uh, He's not the sort of guy I would want around. Uh, And look, if if his results were great, you'd be saying, if Djokovic's results were great, you'd be saying, okay, well, each to their own. And if it 
if it works you can't knock it but it's not working so maybe I can knock it um and yeah the fact that he has remained while everyone else has been cold I find um slightly alarming I do wonder how he fitted in to that team he was sort of parachuted in as a very major presence all of a sudden into a team that I presume was um sort of very tight-knit and very well gelled and everyone had their roles and suddenly this guy's around and is of very of importance and I'm not privy to the details of how everyone got along and gelled and worked together but it wouldn't surprise me if there were some issues surrounding that that's that's that would not surprise me um and I do find it interesting that he's still there and everyone else is gone yeah I mean it wouldn't surprise me either but like you I have no inside info at all I, I think mainly I just think there's a malaise there with Djokovic he's he his relationship with Marion Vida is probably one of the most unsung sports person coach relationships that we've had in tennis I would say in many ways because they've had a, a decade of of success together and more and Marion Vida doesn't get talked about that much uh, and yet I think he's he's a big part of of what Djokovic has become but I don't know whether you can go through a whole career with one person. And even though they had Becker there for three years, which probably lengthened it for both Vida and and, uh, Djokovic in terms of it gave Marion Vida some time away from from the circuit as well and and kept his energy levels up. But at some point, I I think everybody needs another, another voice and just somebody else, to, even if it's the same message, to tell them what they should be doing. For me, I don't. I don't disagree with you, David. But sacking sacking your physio and fitness trainer is not that. I mean, since when has sacking your physio ever solved any of those problems? Yeah, but I, I, mean, I think th- that's indicative of something bigger I, well, than just needing a new voice. That I no, but I get that. But they're all voices. They don't just tell you how to to run about or how to fix your your bad back. These these are your team. These are the people around you that reinforce messages. And if he wants completely different messages in order to to jumpstart him, then. I can kind of understand it, to be honest. He still wants the love and peace message. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I don't get that, really. But I also don't know what role this guy has. I mean, who knows what, what he does or whether he's just a... a... Well, he's just, he, he, his younger brother, Marco, is that his name, Marco? I, I think his younger brother's name is, who's there with him in, in Madrid. He describes Pepe Imaz as his coach, as in his tennis coach. And Pepe Imaz describes his approach to tennis coaching as a love and peace approach. Hmm. Okay. Well, who knows? <laughs> I mean, look, maybe it'll, maybe that'll be one of the cornerstones of what becomes the next phase of Novak Djokovic's career. And maybe it'll be hugely successful. We, ha- we have to wait well, and see. What do you make of the fact that he's done this without the next without the replacement in position? Yeah, in post, uh, that, that's or, an interesting one. Without having even decided. That suggests to me more knee-jerk and panic than... Had he done this and at the same time announced the new person and said, it's just time for a new chapter, this new person's going to come in, I really feel like they can give me what I want. But he's done this. He He's basically saying, I'd rather be on my own in the interim than, than, than be with you guys yeah, for no, now. I mean, I don't know how short-term or how, what the time period was that went into it, but I, but I know what you mean. I would have expected 
probably somebody in his mind to already be there waiting to, to take over the reins and that that would be the, the inspiration for doing it. But every player is different and every player at their various stages of their career, I think, need to to assess. Sometimes they don't get it right. I mean, there are some coaching relationships that, that I think we've thought might work and haven't, you know, that they, they don't always have the chemistry. Con- Connors and Sharapova, you say, oh, yeah. one match. <laughs> that was a corker, yeah. Um, I forgot Was that it one. one match or was it one practice? Session? It was one match, I think, yeah. One match. Ju- just one match he was in the crowd for, Jimmy Connors. <laughs> but, that. yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I can... I don't thoroughly understand Novak Djokovic. I, I think it's such a such a departure to go from where he was a year ago and to take such drastic actions to literally have none of the team around him that he had a year ago when it was all going so well. But this is a guy who, when Andy Murray was going through these stages and, and re- employing and then re-employing Lendl and, and this sort of thing, we used expressions such as leaving no stone left unturned. And... If Djokovic is doing that, then then fair enough, really. And it may not work. He he, he we may have seen the best of him. It's 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 not. I I I think he will win again. Maybe not as big as he has in the past, but I I still think he's fit and and strong enough, elbow permitting and things like that. As long as structurally his body doesn't fail, he still looks fresh to me. Generally, he's still an incredibly lithe athlete. He doesn't look weathered at all. So I I see no reason why he can't have success again if he can make the right choices from here and I just yeah yeah I think so too I think he'll win again I don't think he will dominate tennis again but I think he will win again on the subject of uh, I've interrupted you because I I know exactly where you're going David Uh, on the subject of who he should employ as his new coach he has as good as said, it's going to be a super coach. I mean, this is this is what he said. He said, uh, I'll not stay by myself without a tennis coach for too long. I assume it's going to be someone that has been through similar experiences like I have. Not too many people in the past of tennis have managed to get to that stage and play at that level. So I'll see. What he's saying there is, you know, I want someone that's been at the top, that's won Grand Slams, that's had trouble uh, and... Uh, he's pointing out rightly that the pool of those people is not a big one. Yeah, he? yeah, so he is. Yeah, I, I, there aren't all that many candidates. No, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I just before we get on to that and the obvious, inevitable, and uh, and and relevant need it's not for ev- a pole vault. It's not inevitable, David, because I'm in charge. No, well, it is because uh, I've got the microphone just at the moment. Anyway, the uh, the fact of the matter is for me that. One of the big differences between Djokovic and, say, Federer, which I think will probably truncate Djokovic's career more than it has Federer, is I, I just I don't think he, and in fact I don't think anybody, has the innate love for, for the game that Federer has. And I think that not winning is bothering Djokovic more than it bothered Federer. I think he Djokovic is a bit more like Pete Sampras, who, incidentally... I bet is one of the people that he's he's approached. I would not be at all surprised if Novak Djokovic has approached Pete Sampras. And like Sampras, they have a love of winning, first of all. I mean, I think Djokovic, I think Djokovic probably enjoys the game more than Sampras did, but they both love winning. And when the winning stops, their motivation dips dramatically, I think. I yeah, think, I think that's a I great think they point, find actually. it harder to, to, to reason with the 
with the sort of schedule that they have to put themselves through, the traveling, the training, the dedication, the sacrifice of, of doing normal everyday things and enjoying their money in that way in order to, to keep going. Um, Sampras, uh, no, I, Sampras I, I, is I don't hero, think there's the any way Sampras is taking that gig, though. I mean, I'm falling into the same trap here of making very bold, uh, decisive statements about what's going to happen coaching-wise, and I'm going to be made to look like an idiot. But I'm not saying it wouldn't be a good appointment and it's not the right thing for Djokovic to try and employ Sampras. I cannot believe Sampras will will have any interest in being on the road no but th- these days Catherine look how much is Ivan Lendl on the road how often are we seeing the guy I, I don't think we've seen him since when did we see him in Miami maybe in Miami but Miami but he but he lives but he lives Miami, he lives there so. we're, we're, we're barely seeing Ivan Lendl on the circuit since they got together he's coming in for the slams the O2 I mean if if Djokovic assembled a team that Pete Sampras was happy to be part of for instance and pull some strings but and Sampras give some But Sampras doesn't tips. even do any broadcasting work, does he? I mean, he is not a presence. Neither does Lendl. In tennis at all. Lendl uh, had a, uh, has had like jobs with the USTA and that sort of thing. He's, he's always been sort of coaching-ish at some level, hasn't he? I actually think that the thing that... Sampras, Sampras wants to play golf, you know, hang out and be a dad. Yeah, he, he does. But but you can't tell me that there aren't competitive fires within Pete Sampras that have been watching what's been going on the last five or six years with Becker and Edberg and Villander and, and uh, all know. these you know, other coaches. I don't know. I've been to Champions Tour events with, with Pete Sampras. And OK, this probably isn't the most... It could have changed since the real, the real upsurge in super coaching, but... His interest in current tennis was minimal. He wasn't following it. He was completely content, you know, similar to Tim Henman, really, just completely content with his lot and what he achieved and happy to just put that behind him and enjoy playing golf. I should say, I don't think... Pete Sampras would be up for it either. And I think one of the reasons also. Oh, so you're just no, arguing no, with th- me for the sake of arguing. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm giving. I think there are reasons why he he might do it or he could do it. And I may be wrong. My hunch is also that he he would want to be coaching somebody a little more similar to himself in terms of game style. Pete loved serve and volley. Pete loved talking about serve and volley. I don't think he can necessarily get on board mentally quite as much with the the Djokovic type of game as he could if he was coaching Federer or somebody but that having been said I would have I would have said the same about Boris Becker um and and that that came to pass I I think more likely people that that would be interested in coaching Novak Djokovic I think Mats Volander would would probably be interested um and, and he's another one who's been world number one and and tried to figure out ways of staying there um, we, we've got some some other suggestions at Tennis Podcast on social media. Lots of people have been uh, getting involved. We will be having Mats is an up. interesting one because I I, th- I think deep down I, I I feel completely oppositely to Sampras. I think deep down he does hanker after um, coaching again. I don't think he's in, in any rush to. I think he loves his broadcasting and and loves his Volander on wheels and all that stuff. But I think if the right opportunity came up he would jump at it. I don't know if Djokovic is the right opportunity. I, I think personality-wise, 
there might not be a gel there. Hugh but Beasley I, I, says Guga Curtin. How about Gustavo Curtin? They, those two have got along in the past and they've both drawn hearts on the clay of Roland Garros. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. They're both, you know, they both like to have a bit of a laugh. Uh, Nicole Eclectic, who's a big uh, Djokovic fan, says Martina Navratilova. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great shout. I think that's, she'd be very interesting. sprung to my mind. I, I particularly like uh, Rather Play Tennis, who says Tony Nadal. <laughs> Uh, which I would really enjoy. <laughs> well, no, okay. That that I mean, not Tony Nadal, but I tell you what, this isn't going to happen because this is something that's that's never happened in tennis, and I don't think Djokovic is going to be the first person to do it. But I bet you he would love to have Ivan Lendl. Well, if yeah. Ivan Lendl were available, yeah, I'm sure he would. But it, it'd be Lendl. I'd like to. That, he's. I think Lendl's the right person. I wouldn't mind a Lamborghini, but. <laughs> Not going to happen. Uh, but it's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, uh, the the Rubicon was crossed in in football. What, uh, however long ago it was, it was only a recent thing that sort of poaching managers from other clubs became a thing that happened and was accepted and sort of a little bit not okay. But basically, all's fair in love and war. J- JFM in says in tennis, it's never happened. Mount you, Safin, you, you, you're just not even acknowledging my points. You're just talking over no, I'm, me. No, I'm acknowledging it. I'm just coming up with another suggestion from another listener. JFM says Marit Safin, Catherine. No way. <laughs> no. He's the first person I ever <laughs> no. saw play against Novak Djokovic. It's not going to be any... What sensible input is Marit Safin going to have? He's busy being a politician in Russia anyway. Why couldn't... I mean, come on. You're doing Marit Safin down. He was a Grand Slam champion. He was world number one. He was awesome. Yeah, but he, but he's... No, I'm I, I, that is not fair at all. Nothing in what I said suggested he wasn't awesome. So what I are you saying? I don't think he'd be an awesome coach. Why? Well, what, what can you imagine Marit Safin saying to Novak Djokovic? Let's go to a party. <laughs> he did more than just go to parties, Catherine. I think now he he doesn't do that much more than go to parties. He must have and, had something and, to have know, won all that stuff. Meetings. I mean, come on, he, you know, he knew what he was doing on the tennis court, didn't he? The, the odd practice, but <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think that's the right kind of input. For Novak Djokovic. Okay, uh, Grant Campbell finally Apparently. says Michael Maybe it Stick. is. Maybe he needs to have a load of fun. What about Michael Stick? There's a good fit. Michael Stick, um, you're going to put me in a position now of sort of inadvertently slagging Michael Stick off. Michael Stick doesn't know what it's like to be at the very top of the game. Oh, you're well, come on. Be the guy with the target on his back. He won a Grand Slam and he very much deserved to do so. He and he was a very solid, one. consistent top player. He's number two in he the world. Doesn't, he doesn't know what Novak Djokovic is going through right at this minute. Well, so the only candidates can be former world number ones. I think possibly, yeah, possibly. What about? What about I, I an do think that's. Coach? I do think that's a big feature. I think that's the main feature of what Djokovic is going through right now. And yeah, I, I think, I, I, I think yes. What about Boris Becker? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like Lendl, he's the obvious candidate. He, he's staring him in the face. I mean, come on. It's just so obvious. Anyway, uh, let's let's just see who uh, what what people Becky's thought. Becky's too in, busy working for Eurosport. It's in, not going to happen. In pole vaults, Catherine, uh, which uh, we'll start early here. Uh, we have uh, the following four categories. You're allowed what you can play one. You can play the pole vault card once in this podcast, David. So if you're playing it now, 
That's fine. I'm playing it. I've only got but one. There will be none later. So here we go. Uh, what sort of coach does Novak Djokovic need? Uh, no coach. He needs time alone. Oh, this pole vault was ridiculous. Former former number one super coach, established coach, or Pepe Imaz? What is that? Pepe Imaz isn't a coach. 22% what? say Pepe Imaz. <sighs> I, I think most of those are Murray, Federer and Nadal fans. <laughs> uh, so or just peace, peace and love fans. Troublemakers, I say. Uh, 22% of 900 people. Crikey, there's more than 200 people who went for Pepe I still think it's I still think it's porn bots. So uh, what about an established coach? I mean, you know, we're talking about people like Darren Cahill, Larry Stefanke, people who've been no, there and done no. it as coaches, but not necessarily no. as players themselves at the very top None level. None of them would be better than Marion Vida for Novak Djokovic. How do you know? Well, I don't know. I'm just saying my opinion. I don't know for sure. But Why was this ridiculous a sliding vault? doors situation where we see every single scenario and get to assess which one would be better? We're going to see the one scenario and assess whether or not that works. We we won't know the opportunity cost of his decision. Okay, so if he gets an established coach and uh, and he carries on and does really well, let's just bookmark this bit of the podcast right here and remember it, everybody. Uh, so there we are. And uh, yeah, basically the the winner was an established coach. Thirty six percent believe that that's what Novak Djokovic needs, but it is. But he's he said that he wants somebody that's been where he's been, and yet only nineteen percent of people think that he needs a super coach amazing well they're disagreeing they're saying they know better than novak himself so i mean that's 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 silly isn't it there we are Catherine whittaker pole vault i'm just saying i mean he said it pretty unequivocally hasn't he i think yeah. I think it's pretty think clear what I his intentions are. Yeah. Anyway, Catherine. Who do you think, David? Who should he employ? I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think he should. Oh, come on. I think he should go with a super coach, actually. I think he would be better off with. I do think he needs somebody who, like he had with Becker who just uh, makes him a kid again, you know, makes him look at the coach and just be a bit wild, wide eyed the way. Federer was with Edberg, you know, somebody like that. That's why I mentioned Sampras because I know that Djokovic absolutely idolised Pete Sampras when he was a young lad, and um, and I could see him desperately wanting to tap into and frankly just hang out with Pete Sampras. Uh, whether whether that would come to pass, we will wait and see. Catherine, we've finally fixed our um, our ad system, so uh, we should not have ads popping up in the middle of sentences anymore. Let's take one right now. Should we test it? <laughs> Yeah, do it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Right then, we hope you enjoyed uh, those uh, appropriately positioned ads in our podcast for the first time. Uh, We're really sorry that uh, they've not been appropriately positioned up until now. Um, I've actually been programming them to come out just when you're talking about something I don't like. (laughs) I've been programming them to come out during the pole vaults. So, uh, yeah, but... Hopefully it's gone wrong again. We genuinely are sorry about that. And um, we're pretty confident, aren't we, that that problem is now resolved. Uh, we have conclusively not put the Djokovic situation to bed because uh, everyone's just firmly sat on the fence. And uh, so that, yeah, the resolution to that remains to be seen, uh, but we will follow it uh, intently. So we'll talk about some other issues in tennis. Let's get a pretty nasty one um, out of the way before we start talking about goings on in Madrid, David. And that is uh, Gael Monfils. He, well, first and foremost, tennis-wise, he did suffer a pretty awful loss to Hyun Chung uh, in his first match in Munich last week. Uh, he's definitely having a, a tricky time at the moment, Monfils. Uh, he's been pretty honest about that. But uh, regardless of, of any tricky time he's having tennis-wise, he publicly posted um, a message that he'd received on Instagram. It was actually a reply to a post that he put up saying, you know, today today wasn't my best day against Chung, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll work hard and I'll come back stronger, something along those lines. And um, unlike with Nastasi, I'm, I'm just not going to repeat anything that was in this because it was, I mean, just, I mean, insane for one thing, truly insane, like some sort of, um, neo-fascist, racist. I mean, it was all the bad, horrible things in one message. And, you know, Monfils just shining a light on uh, what public figures, sports people um, have to endure. And, you know, much like the point I made with the Nastasi thing, the most horrifying thing about it is 
Monfils could probably, okay, maybe not all of them would be as vitriolic as that one, but could probably have picked from a handful of messages to make public to illustrate um, what they experience sort of day to day and shouldn't have to. I'm not, it's not really a debate point, is it? It's similar to Nastasi. It's awful. It shouldn't happen. But unfortunately, the conclusion is not most people hopefully are nice kind people some people aren't and unfortunately though some people have a platform a few platforms online uh, on which they feel they can act and speak their mind with utter impunity I mean that's the bottom line isn't it yeah it's uh, it's it's really worrying actually that that the that these platforms I'm not saying allow it because they do remove it when they're on, when they can, when they're on it, when they get it reported. I still don't think anywhere near enough. Um, but it bothers me that anybody can say anything on these platforms for a period of time until they are removed at anybody. And it just, it's, 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 it's it should be an arrestable offence immediately as far as I'm concerned. But how do you police it to that degree? And, um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about this. If ever I was a family member of one of these players who's getting this sort of abuse or, or representing them, it would be very hard not to not to say, oh, you know, cancel that account, don't go on it. And yet at the same time you think, well, why should these people be allowed, allowed to drive them off social media that, that they otherwise might enjoy interacting with, with real tennis fans and real human beings rather than the, this scum that, that just starts firing off abuse in every direction just because they have absolutely no lives of their own. Well, I hope they go back and crawl under their own little rock and where they came from. Yeah, we shouldn't talk about them anymore because um, that's precisely what they want, but it, it's awful. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for, for Gail Monfils and everyone else that's experiencing that. He's certainly not alone, but good on him for, for shining some light. Uh, in terms of Madrid this week, there's things upcoming. We've had, uh, what have we had? We've had two days of the women's event and one day of the men's event. We're recording this on Monday morning on a day when there's quite a spicy uh, match coming up later on between... Maria Sharapova and Jeannie Bouchard, David. We've talked about uh, the background to this. Bouchard, of course, has probably been the most singularly outspoken person in player in tennis uh, about uh, Maria Sharapova's return, her receipt of wild cards. I mean, Bouchard has said she doesn't think she should... Uh, you know, if she'd made the rules, Sharapova wouldn't be back at all. And she's called her a cheater. Um, and uh, you've suggested that Sharapova's probably uh, threatening legal action behind the scenes or might be. And of course, the Madrid draw has thrown up uh, a second round meeting between the two of them. Aside from anything else, I should point out that uh, Bouchard's victory in the first round was a pretty big deal because she hasn't won a tour-level match since the Australian Open. I mean, she's been having an awful time. She dropped down uh, to play an ITF-level event which, which against, the say, advice, I, against the advice of her coach. Yeah, I, I respect that, I, I give her great credit for. Yeah, it, it must have taken a bit of, you know, pride-swallowing, really, to do that, having been a Wimbledon finalist and, and you know, semi-finalist in the other slams. And, and, you know, we've seen other players do it. We saw Agassi do it back in the day when he went down to 120-odd in the world and, and Goran Ivanisevic did it at Challengers. But, 
yeah, she's she's been a very high-profile athlete for a long time, on and off the court. She's made sure of that. And uh, to be fair, to have gone back and, and done that, I, yeah, I, I give her great credit for that. Yeah, and, and she's expressly said that it was against the advice of her coach. And she's talked quite honestly about how she thought it would sort of ground her and she did need a bit of bit of a reality check and yeah I think I do think she deserves credit for that but now uh, her award is a second round meeting uh, with Maria Sharapova it's it's going to be spicy it, it is and, and and regardless of where you stand on the should Maria Sharapova be getting wild cards debate let's be honest it's kind of interesting to see this sort of matchup, isn't it? Uh, who who doesn't want to know what's going to happen between these two, uh, given the history between them? I mean, let's be honest, we do, don't we? Uh, I do, anyway. I do, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do want to watch this match. I will watch who's, this who's, match. Who's going to win? I think Sharapova's going to win. Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Sharapova's going to win. I watched her match yesterday. I commentated her match against Mirana Lucic Baroni, and she did that thing of Im- improving throughout the match and growing into it. And you could see her confidence growing. And you know, there are a couple of wobbles. I think there will be moments in the match where Bouchard will challenge, and you'll feel like there's a match. But uh, and and Sharapova could wobble, but I think Sharapova will win. And she'll probably probably meet Angelique Kerber in the third round, and that'll be very interesting. Excellent. I, I've got a bit. Of, uh, I've just had a, a note pop up on my screen from a certain Mr. Simon Briggs of Telegraph uh, Tennis Correspondent fame, who says to me, "I'm hearing the Agassi for the Novak job. What do you think?" Is it? Where's he hearing it? I'll, I'll, I'll ask how how reputable are his are his sources? He says something to do with some cryptic quotes from Novak in Madrid yesterday, and he's heard Ooh. one or two places elsewhere. So uh, watch this space. I mean, imagine that a, a name we didn't even mention because I just assumed that Agassi again. There's no way he'd be up for the travel. He's got so much going on with his foundation and charities, and you know he lives in Las. Vegas, goodness, no. I mean, I always find that intriguing, someone living in Las Vegas. I mean, do you just... If you if you need, want to just pop to the shops, do you have to go to the strip? I, 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 just the thought of it. They do online um, shopping these days, don't they? Boggles my mind, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe he does all his online <laughs> he just, shopping. He just sits in his house on the strip doing online shopping. Yeah. Maybe he does need a coaching job. Pretty cool. Uh, four slams a year, eight I weeks of that. travel. We've just got, and then, we've just got hot off the press yeah. um, gossip. And then Indian Wells, as Simon points out, Indian Wells on his doorstep, you know, maybe just come across for the O2 as well. Ten weeks a year. Job done. Maybe. I mean, I'd love that. Come on. How great would that be for tennis, for Andre Agassi to be a presence, a, 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 a relevant current presence in the sport? I could imagine them having some very deep conversations as well. With Pepe involved, yeah. maybe too. Oh, yeah, some meditation sessions. Yeah, count me out. Um, okay, <laughs> elsewhere in Madrid, uh, things that. Don't think you were invited, happened. to be honest, but. <laughs> no, I don't. I think I'd be a party pooper, don't you? I don't think I'd be. I don't think I'd bring the right vibes to that setup. Don't think so. No, I'd be like uh, Mark in that episode of Peep Show where he uh, goes to Rainbow Rhythms. Have you seen that? No. No, well, that's what I'd be like. Uh, Garbina Muguruza, David, got booed off the court 
last night Did by she? her home fans. Oh, I didn't yeah, see that. After losing, she double faulted to lose the match to uh, Tamir Bashinsky, who is a great player. And let's be honest, that's a horror of a first round draw. But, but David, Muguruza was awful, truly awful. Uh, and showed very little fight, really, and that was what the home fans were responding to. And goodness me, I mean, she's the defending Roland Garros champion, and that's it. I mean, she looks a shadow of a player that could win a Grand Slam. I mean, I know sort of anything can happen in women's tennis at the moment, but I don't see Muguruza, even within the confines of that, I don't see her defending her Roland Garros crown. No, I would agree with you. I think, she, I mean, she would have to She would have to undergo an overhaul in form of Stan Wawrinka proportions, wouldn't she? Because if you remember when Wawrinka won the French Open, he put in that awful performance in Monte Carlo. Well, it was a good six or eight weeks earlier, wasn't it? Um, which actually I do feel as though I think we've, we've perhaps compared Muguruza to, to Wawrinka before in that way. I guess it's possible. But she hasn't been in form for a long time. And now I know I'm setting myself up for a fall here because I pre- predicted big things for her at the start of this year she looked like she'd been working out really hard she looked ultra motivated and ever since she lost to Coco Vanderway at the Australian Open I don't know she's looked all at sea and it's um it's it's a shame and I, I mean I hate to see and hear home crowds booing their player I, I always think well what, what what good does that do but then you think well these people have paid their money that they've they've come to try to get behind a player you would think and if they have felt that they're not getting a proper effort I, and I, I didn't see the match I, I, I feel a little um... look I, I don't know I, I can't comment on proper effort but it was it was a poor show yeah I mean she's it, struggling she, she gave she's them really nothing. struggling and 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 I think that she Having been there in Madrid for, for the tiebreak tens night and seen the way the crowd reacted to her there and they were very positive and, and the way they did to Feliciana Lopez and Fernando Verasco. Again, though, she played horribly in tiebreak Yeah, well, she did. Tens. Yeah, she went. I think she went 5-1 up and then ended up losing nine points in a row or something like that. And But the, the way they got behind Lopez and Verasco and, and her as home players suggests that this is a, a crowd that really wants their own to do well. And... To lose as heavily as that, yeah, it, it, it's just a little uncomfortable. I can't, I can't really imagine a British crowd getting on Andy Murray's case like that. But then I, I, he doesn't lose six three six one to people at, at home, does he? It's just, um, yeah, that that's that's a shame, a real shame. I I hope it comes right for her because she's capable of so much, so good in the game. Yeah, and it's more evidence. I mean, we talked last week about sort of how silly it seems that Sharapova's been installed as the French Open favourite. But when you've got the the defending champion playing like that, you've got Angelique Kerber, who I commentated yesterday against Tamir Babosh. And, and yes, it was a, a pretty straightforward victory. But still, still, this is not the Angelique Kerber of last year. There was still, you know, had Babosh mounted more of a challenge, it could have been really different I think she looks completely beatable to me Angelique Kerber bottom line you've got defending champion Muguruza who's just well, I mean she's she's nowhere you've got Serena Williams on the sidelines I mean 
Maybe it doesn't seem so silly <laughs> to make Sharapova the favourite. I don't know. Well, I mean, the bottom line is there isn't a favourite. There's a lot really. of people that could could win it that we would not normally be installing as as a favourite for a Grand Slam tournament. That that much is sure. I, I would not have a huge amount of confidence putting putting backing behind anybody. I think I think the best player that I've seen in in recent weeks on the surface is Simona Halep from the way she played at the Fed Cup. And the she way... was great yesterday. She was very impressive. Okay, she had a slightly wounded opponent, Christina Pliskova, uh, who had flown in from Prague as she reached the final in Prague, lost to Mona Bartel. Uh, she'd flown in the night before and she seemed to be really struggling with a, a stomach strain. Um, but still, Simona Halep, utterly professional, um, she really looked like she meant business. She looked, she's so fit and strong. And, you know, if it weren't for those mental frailties, which we've had such an insight into over the last few months, she would absolutely be the favourite. But, you know, there's still a question mark over her mentally. So, I mean, it's interesting, but it's, yeah, it's a bizarre landscape at the moment. Uh, I've mentioned a bit of any other business there, which is uh, the events that took place last week. Bartel winning in Prague. Pavlyuchenkova, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova won the title in Rabat. She's already lost in Madrid, though. It is a tough ask to come uh, fresh from a run to a final and have to play the next day Uh especially in somewhere like Madrid, where the conditions are so different. It's at altitude. It really is different. And to have to adjust with presumably limited practice to adjust to the conditions, it's a big ask. Uh, she beat Francesca Schiavone in that Rabat final. Uh, and she's given some great quotes to uh, Courtney Noyen, who's the WTA insider. I've only seen what she's posted on Twitter but really interesting about, you know, how continually people are referring to her age and how continually people are asking why, uh, given that she's ranked, uh, I think she's going to go back in the inside the top 100 now, but she's been outside the top 100 for a while and people constantly questioning her motives for still being out there. You know, why do you still want to keep playing tennis if you're outside the top 100? And she just doesn't get it at all. They're just really refreshing, pleasing quotes she says come watch me if you don't if you don't enjoy go and watch a 20 year old I mean she's just great she's 36 she enjoys tennis she's probably not going to win any more Grand Slam titles but then no one thought she was going to win the French Open that she did win so um good for her yeah well said I love watching her Uh, that's all I'll say I think she if if you get if you haven't seen much of Francesco Schiavone play tennis just just go watch it because the, the process is enjoyable Absolutely. Uh, on the men's side, uh, Sasha Zverev silenced all of the questions that I asked about him uh, last week. He'd had a couple of tough losses to Nadal in Monte Carlo and to fellow next-genner Hyun-Chung in uh, Barcelona. And I questioned whether, you know, this is the first sign of adversity that he was having to cope with. And he's just won the title in, in Munich. So uh, that's that's me silenced. And uh, Pablo Carreño Buster has won the Estoril title uh, and he's beaten Gilles Muller, that famous 
clay quarter well, I tell you what, in the I, final. I, I tell you who he did. I mean, well done, Jill Muller, for getting to that final. But, you know, Corinna Buster, on his way there, he beat Tommy Robredo, Nicolas Almagro and David Ferrer to get to the final. That's not a bad little list of clay court scalps. I, I know that the, certainly two of the three, probably all three of them are past their very best days. But still, very well done to him. Um, he is yeah. such a solid clay court player, Pablo Carreño Buster. He's not someone anyone's picking for the top five or for Grand Slams, but nobody will want to face him at Roland Garros. He very nearly beat uh, Djokovic at Monte Carlo um, a couple of weeks ago. Had he had a bit more belief, I think he probably would have done. But uh, yeah, he's he's really establishing himself as a very, very solid top 20 player. Um, final note of any other business, and we're not going to dwell on it because uh, it's not deserved, but uh, Ilina Stasi, who my autocorrect on my agenda has autocorrected to nauseates, which I think is fabulous. Have you pre-programmed that? I haven't. I haven't. It's just the universe doing the right thing. I, I see. Like Pepe and Maz. Um, Nauseates has been banned from Roland Garros by the ITF. So that's Roland Garros and Wimbledon, which uh, he will not be making an appearance. And I think that's just fine. Um, Speaking of Wimbledon, David, final note, you went to the big pre-Wimbledon press conference yesterday. I don't know how you fitted all this in. Oh, yes, I do. You don't sleep. Um, But yes, you went to the Wimbledon press conference. Was there any interesting news? Yeah, I think it was last uh, Wednesday, actually, that that one took place. And and, they they gave the prize money out. The the players are getting another huge increase. I think first round defeated players are now going to get £35,000 for just getting into the draw. Uh, so you know it certainly incentivizes players to uh, to keep going in the game and getting their rankings up um, around the Sharapova issue I mean they just did all they could not to say anything really the one the one notable thing was that they did reveal that qualifying at Wimbledon which has always been basically just a turn up and watch kind of affair is now going to be ticketed uh, it, yeah, it's going to be re- restricted in terms of numbers they say that has nothing to do with with the potential of Sharapova possibly being amongst the, do you the players them? well you know it's it's an enormous coincidence there's no question but at the same time I'm not going to go and call Wimbledon liars. They, they've said that, that it has nothing to do with it, and I'm, I, I need to take that at face value because who am I to, to say that they're not, not telling the truth? Um, but, yeah, it, it, it certainly seems that if she were to play qualifying, there is the, there's no logistical reason that she should not be able to play. So we'll just have to wait and see how that, how that unfolds. Good fence sitting, David. Congratulations. Um, what do you think? Yep. Yeah. I think that's probably something that they would have to have had in the pipeline for a very long time. But mind you, the Maria Sharapova situation has been in the pipeline for a very long time. So I think it's possible. It might have made, it might have made them think, you know, six months ago, you know what, if she did play, actually, and in, in future, if we had big players, what would we do? Um uh, look, they, they've certainly. I don't think, but do you think it's about that, or do you think it's just about sort of supply and demand? Hang on, um, yeah, it's really nice that uh, Wimbledon Collies is something you can rock up for for free, but we could be making some extra 
money. Well, no, because this. they're already said that the money's going to charity. They're, they're not. Oh, they're, have they? Oh, take a penny on. Off, okay, off I that didn't. Money. I, I, no, I, I think it's. They that. don't need that money. It's. It's. It is just a question of them needing to work out really whether it's sustainable. I, I think last year and the run of Marcus Willis and all those sort of things. I, I think it as nice as an idea as it is that people can just show up and and watch. It, it's probably become more difficult to 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 manage it. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. I think it's a shame because that's one of those sort of hidden gems in uh, in tennis or in sport, even really that that Wimbledon tickets are so hard to come by, pretty much impossible to come by. But you know, you can rock up at Qualies. Yes, I know it's not on site, but you can get a flavour of Wimbledon. You can see, you know, there's always people of interest people you know someone like Francesca Schiavone might be playing Wimbledon qualies for example um and you can just rock up and get a flavor for free yeah I got but, one more um, final bit it's of a business, fiver and it's going to charity so one that's final good. bit of business from me hit me congratulations on being part of the five live Wimbledon team you'll be with us on BBC radio in what is it July only a couple of months away First time for you. Thank you, David. Thank you. I'm following in the David Law footsteps. <laughs> oh, well, dear. I'm I'm half. I'm literally half filling the David Law footsteps because you've got very big feet. But uh, but yes, they they're good footsteps to be in. I'm delighted. It's going to be great. No, it is. It's going to be great fun. Right, I better go and get the train. Thank thanks for allowing me to to toot my own horn there. Yeah. That's that's got. I didn't set you up for that. No, well yeah, there we are. That's it. Team yeah, choose teamwork. to believe me or not. We're going to do. Been... You're going to repay it now and give me something to be brilliant about or no? Um, no. Uh, no. Yeah, I have to say your your gossip tweeting about Sharapova and uh, Dimitrov was brilliant. I think. Um, it's not really on the same scale, I is it? I think gossip columnists would be proud of you, David. Thanks. <laughs> on that note we have been the tennis podcast we've been brought to you in association with the telegraph and with exclusive hot off the press news from the telegraph's tennis correspondent simon briggs thank you simon for that and we have been brought to you in association with eurosport as well and we'll be back next week 